turning God's word to the book of Psalms. Uh, we're going to study Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is found on page 708 of the Pew Bible. Psalm 119, and we're looking at verses 113 to 120. beginning verse 113. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Depart from me, you evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according to your word that I may live, and do not let me be ashamed of my hope. Hold me up and I shall be safe. And I shall observe your statutes continually. You reject all those who stray from your statutes, for their deceit is falsehood. You put away all the wicked of the earth like dross. Therefore I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. Amen. May God bless us the reading of his word. Please keep this passage open before you as we study this psalm. Well, in the old town in Edinburgh, there is a statue to a Skye Terrier called Greyfriars Bobby. And this dog became famous for its loyalty to his master. For after his master died, Greyfriars Bobby sat by his master's grave for 14 years. And this is no small feat when you consider the awful weather that this dog would have had to endure. And so this loyalty became a beloved story with books and films about it. And the statue is a tourist attraction for many visitors to Edinburgh. Well, this loyalty, this devotion is convicting. For when it comes to our master, when it comes to our Lord and Savior, we are more like fair-weather Christians. We are easily distracted. One day... You are completely devoted to Christ. The next day, you're more interested in your hobbies, or in your career, or your family, or your friends. And Christ is made to take a back step. Well, there's a word for this, as being double-minded, as we see in our psalm. We're no longer devoted to Christ for our satisfaction. We look elsewhere. Well, I trust in our passage this evening, you will see that you are to be single-minded, in your devotion to Christ and in his word. For he is your refuge. And so you are to fear him uh, by crying out to him to uphold you. So boys and girls, I wonder, do you ever waver on what kind of birthday present it is that you want? Um, your mum or dad are asking for suggestions. Uh, one day you want this particular toy. The next day you want a different toy. You can't decide. You go between them both. Never sure what you want. Well, this is what it's like to be double-minded. And we do the same with God. Sometimes wanting God, sometimes wanting other things other than God. So boys and girls, I encourage you to draw a picture of the struggle, but in the end, you are to choose God. And if that's too difficult, you can draw a picture of the contest on Mount Carmel, and I'll soon tell you about that. So our first point you are to be single-minded in your devotion to God, verse 113. 
back in Israel's history, there was a time when the people of God under the kingship of Ahab were very obviously double-minded. They worshipped God, but they also worshipped Baal. And it led to this showdown, a contest that Elijah set up between God and Baal on Mount Carmel. The 450 prophets of Baal would sacrifice an offering and they would call on Baal to consume it. And Elijah, he would also set up an offering and he would call upon the God of Israel to consume that offering. And the God who answers it by fire, well, he is God. And we read before the contest in 1 Kings 18 that Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. And we know what happened. Despite the best attempts of the prophets of Baal, Baal would not answer because Baal could not answer. Baal is not real. And yet Elijah, when he called upon God, God consumed not only the water-laden sacrifice, but the very stones that the sacrifice was on. It is clear who is God. And yet the people in Ahab, they were double-minded. They were not convinced. They continued to falter between these two opinions. And that's because they wanted God and Baal. They wanted God and the world. They knew the God of Israel was the true God, but they also wanted to hold on to Baal. Baal offered them pleasure and comfort that although were temporary, they desired that. Is that different from you and me? It's very easy to be double-minded. We hold on to God, but we also hold on to things that give us fleeting moments of pleasure. Boyce writes, they are those who want both God and the world. They want the benefits of true religion, but they want their sin too, being double-minded. And the psalmist says here, I hate the double-minded. I hate people who are like this. It's a strong, forthright response. Too often we respond to those who are double-minded by simply not caring. We say, well, that's their problem. But do we do that because we're also double-minded? We also struggle between following God and following idols that give us short-term pleasures. But the psalmist's reaction, it needs to be our reaction. We need to recalibrate our mind over what we love and over what we hate. I love candy, cake, donuts, and yet we all know what happens when we love these things too much. There are times when we need to hate it, otherwise it's going to have harmful effects. And instead we need to love healthy food. We love it for the good that it does for us. So what are you to love? Well, you are to love God's law. God is our maker. God knows what's best for you. You do not. We see this more and more today. Man loves to tinker with the law of God, to question it, to push the boundaries. And we don't see the damage that that does until it's too late. It's most clearly seen in the transgender movement. Man th- 
thinks it's kind and loving to perform these life-changing surgeries, rather than encourage people to accept the truth of who they are, to be responsible and fulfill what God has made them to be. And the result is they cause this irreversible damage, and it only leads to greater unhappiness. You know, instead, you are to love God's law. You are to see it as good. And your response is not to push against it, but to love it. And when you love God's law, you become single-minded, not going after other gods, but staying focused on the true God. Glenn Scrivener, in the book, The Air We Breathe, made an interesting statement about the early church. Uh, He writes, people would remark on how Christians were promiscuous with their charitable giving and stingy with their sex lives. Their money was anyone's, but their bodies were not. These were people who were not double-minded, but single-minded. They were devoted to God and his law, and the impact was evident on those around them. Well, secondly, I want you to consider that only God is your refuge in verse 114. So why are you to be loyal to God? Why are you to be single-minded in your devotion to him? Well, the psalmist puts it very clearly. He is your refuge and shield. Now, America has been hit by a number of natural disasters recently, whether the fires in Hawaii or the hurricane recently in Florida. And each one of these is a telling moment for the people involved. The very homes that they put their trust in for safety and refuge becomes a trap that led to their death. Now, rarely are we put in that position, but there are many things that we put our trust in for refuge and for security. The news at the moment is consumed with politics. We are being asked to choose which politician that we are going to choose to lead our nation, to protect our welfare, to ensure our peace and prosperity. Politicians are not able to deliver on these promises. You students, if you're studying here at IU, you could have gone to a variety of different universities, but you chose IU. IU has promised to provide you a great education that will enable you to get the dream job or the job of your dreams to set you up for life. But that's a huge promise that IU cannot achieve with any certainty. And we strive after other things, money, good health, strong friendships, happy families. And yet, each one of these is fragile or often broken. That's why the psalmist recognizes that it's God alone who is his refuge and his shield. Only God can deliver. He promises you life and deliverance. And in our study in Mark's Gospel, we considered his various resurrection appearances. Christ appeared to his disciples and to the woman and to others to demonstrate that he is victorious, that he is trustworthy, that he has removed the sting of death. He has taken the punishment for your sin. He has enabled you to have a relationship with God. And notice the psalmist here saying, my God. Through Christ, you have a personal relationship with God. You are one of his children. No wonder he is your refuge and shield. Only he will protect you. That's why you are to place your hope in him and in his word. Do not listen to the lies of Satan. Instead, look to Christ.
those who distract you from God. Verse 115. In our last section of Psalm 119, we considered God's word as a light. In the darkness of this world, we need God's word to show us the way. Well, in this section, God's word has been described as like a magnet. Magnet either attracts or repels. For those who are against God, they are repelling, moved away from God. And so you need to be careful. You're also not repelling from God by those who want to distract you. James speaks of this in James 4. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So James speaks of the double-minded intentionally purifying their hearts to remove distractions. Now there was a campaign to stop drivers from using their mobile phones when driving, titled, Do You Love Me? And drivers were forced to answer this question, Do You Love Me? in regards to their children who were in the car with them. And children were encouraged to ask whoever it was that was driving them this question when they touched their phone. Do you love me? Uh, Phones are known as a cause of many road accidents because it leads to distractions. Well, for you and me as believers, this is a good question. Do you love God? Or are you being says in response away from me you evildoers evildoers were preventing him from obeying the commands of God that's good advice for each one of us James says in James 4 verse 4 do you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God so I know many of the children here enjoy superheroes and Clark Kent is Superman but I wonder do you know what Superman's causes him to lose all his superhuman strength. Okay, Lewis now. Kryptonite, okay? It's kryptonite that weakens him. Well, the world is our kryptonite. We think we're strong. We think there is nothing that will break us. But often it's the distraction of this world that will break us. And yes, it doesn't happen overnight. It's much more subtle. But the bombardment of the world's values slowly conforms us to think in the same way as the world. It's very evident, okay, marriage. A generation ago, it would have been unthinkable for Christians to accept gay marriage. Now, the majority of Christians seem to accept gay marriage, despite it being contrary to God's word. And so you need to keep away from evil doers. That's why young people are so important, and not to date or marry an unbeliever. Paul speaks about this in 2 Corinthians 6. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? So this is not an antiquated idea. It simply won't work. You will be influenced by their unbelief. And so young people, you need to be careful about the friends that you keep. For you will become like them. They're not Christian friends. You need to be wary of them. D.L. Moody supposedly said, Ship is in the sea, but woe betide if the sea gets into the ship. 
just because the world throws you into or makes shipwreck of your faith in Christ. Now, it's not that you are to keep away from this world. Jesus sent his disciples into the world to preach the gospel. So it's not that we're not to have friends who are unbelievers. And we'll be considering more of this in our class on evangelism in the Sunday school. But we are to be wise. And young people especially recognize this. Yes, you can have friends in school or in your sports team. But remember, they are to be nothing like the friends that you have with fellow believers here at church. And if that's not the case, then ask yourself why. Fellowship is the best boundary from this world. Personally, it's been a blessing to me to meet you knowing that you single-mindedly love God and you love God's Word. It's a blessing when you speak God's Word into my life and I encourage you to keep doing that and keep doing it with each other. Christopher Ashe writes, the litmus test is the direction of our affections as seen in verse 113. So long as we experience aversion to all who are not single-minded in loving God, so long as we feel a warm love for his word, we are safe. Now, children, I know many of you are familiar with the story of Pinocchio. Pinocchio was constantly getting himself into trouble, and a big factor for this was that he was easily swayed by the wrong kinds of people. He made friends with those who only wanted to use him. And later you see Pinocchio with lots of boys enjoying this pleasure land place, and it led to them all becoming donkeys. And that was similar to how they were behaving. They were behaving like a jackass because that is what they became. Similar in the Christian life. Stay away from evildoers or you will become like them. Well, fourthly, cry out to God to uphold you. Verses 116 to 117. Maybe this also isn't too much. But what the psalm is asking for is impossible. How can we live in this world and yet not be influenced by this world? How can I say no to people who are my close friends? Albeit they're not Christians, but they are really kind. They are really nice people. How can things that seem so innocent be so dangerous? How do I not give in to these temptations? They're too strong. They feel so right, even though God's word says they are wrong. So this is where we have to join with the psalmist. We need to cry out to God. This is where you hold out to God in faith. You and I, we struggle with divided hearts. The things of this world, they appeal to us. We yearn for friendship and acceptance by this world. Young people especially. At university, this is a huge desire. You want to do well. You want to be recognized by your professors. You want to fit in with your friends. But a greater desire should be remain true to God. Recognizing the truth. But also at times, that the truth is not comfortable. It doesn't sit well. So at times like this, cry out to God. Admit your weakness and cry out to him for strength. Jesus said, John 15, verse 5, Apart from me, you can do nothing. But too often we are trying to rely on our own strength. And we end up sinking. We recognize that God can and he 
has promised to do so. Your hopes will not be dashed, because he is certain. He will uphold you and he will deliver you. And so this prayer, verses 116 and 117, is one that he's speaking to him to pray. And he's prayed every day, maybe even every hour. He impels us to do the same thing, to pray to God in faith. James 1 verse 6, But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he says. What a vivid picture this union of James and Dorothy is. Being tossed about the waves of the sea. You're completely out of control. You can't do anything about it. So you need to be lifted up out of the waves by someone else. Only God can lift you up. Only he can do it. So frequently, pray this prayer, asking for his help. So fifthly, verses 118 to 119. Remember, judgment waits those who stray from God's ways. Judgment waits upon those who stray from God's ways. So while God delivers you, not the case for the wicked. Verses 118 to 119 speaks of the destiny of the wicked. We don't like to think about this, but we should. When we consider that the world will be punished for its evil doing, no longer will you envy the wicked. I wonder if any of you watch the Olympics and you think, it's so amazing to be an Olympic swimmer. Or it must be amazing to be an Olympic whatever athlete it is you admire. But then you see the dedication involved, the sacrifice that's involved, the time taken for them to get to the peak of their performance. Your envy disappears. The reality for an Olympian is not one event or one race, but years of effort and sacrifice. But you need to see the world in the same way. Unmask the appearance and see the reality. The world maybe looks Maybe looks like man is in charge in this world. But the reality is, God is in charge. Man thinks he answers to no one. But man will answer to God. Those who strayed from God's decree, God will judge. That's why the psalmist says it's delusional. It's a false and foolish idea to think that man is powerless. The scribe says, in God's sight, his cunning, their hostility, attempts to trip him up are in vain because God has tossed them aside. Verse 119, we see what God really thinks of these people. He sees them as gods. So children, when you remove metal from the earth, it's called ore, and so there are lots of impurities in the metal. And that's why you have to heat it up to a high temperature and these impurities will rise up to the surface as dross then they are removed. And so what we think of as valuable in this world is actually dross. What we think of as important is actually nothing in God's eyes. All those who stray from God's word will be judged. They will be burnt off as dross. It's important, therefore, that we see them. Don't put your faith in something that's going to be removed. There 
there's a huge fiasco at the moment in the UK because they have discovered a type of concrete that they once thought to be reliable, they've now found it to be weak. The problem is many school buildings have used this type of concrete in their construction. And so the result is a week before school starts, dozens of school buildings have been condemned, resulting in staff trying to come up with new arrangements on how to host and house all their students. Well, we need to see the world in the same way. It's not reliable. The world is not safe. The world is condemned. But what is true and what is sure is that God has his world and he stands forever. That's why you are to love God's statutes, for they are life. But finally, you are to fear God, and you are to be in awe of grace. Verses 130, we read of the psalmist trembling before God. What causes you to tremble? What causes you to be in awe? We often tremble before the things of this world. Maybe before you meet your hero or a famous sports person or a famous actress. Maybe there's someone that you really respect. He or she is at the forefront of your particular interests. And you're excited by that. But you're to be even more excited before coming before God. When you see who God is, there's nothing else in this world that compares. Boyce writes, it's only as we tremble before the exalted and holy God that we will ever see the world and its distorted values to be the empty things they are. If we do not tremble before God, the world system will seem wonderful to us and consume us pleasantly. And this is obvious when we sin before God or when others sin before God. How is it that we respond? Do you see it as a light thing, thinking, it's no big deal, God's going to forgive anyway? Do we tremble? Calvin writes, true godliness, true piety consists in a sincere feeling which loves God as Father and reverence and fears him as Lord and dreads offending him worse than death. True piety is loving God as Father and so fear him as Lord. Even if there were no hell, we would tremble before him. And Robert Murray McShane writes, the fall of professing Christians into sin makes me tremble. I have been driven away from prayer and burdened in a fearful manner by fearing or seeing their sin. This is wrong. It is right to tremble and to make every sin of every professing believer a lesson of my own helplessness. But it should lead me all the more to God. When you see God for who he is, you are to tremble. You are to be struck. To be struck with awe regarding him. As McShane says, you should be led all the more to Christ. For Christ, the Son of God, descended to earth to be with us and to bring us to himself. He is the one that enables you to come before God. By his blood, you enter his presence. And so while it's right to come with fear and trembling through Christ, you can come with confidence. It is right for you to be there because of what he has done. And since Christ is the law of God personified, you are to be in awe of him and of his salvation. I wonder if you've ever been somewhere and you think, I'm not meant to be here. Maybe you're in a museum or a government building and you're not in the right place. 
given permission, you don't have the right security clearance, you haven't been given a pass, and so you try and sneak out and hope that no one will notice. But in Christ, you have a pass to come before God. Recognize that privilege and that honor. Recognize the wonder of what Christ has done for you. So be in awe of him. If you are to be single-minded in your devotion to Christ and his work, he is your refuge. So fear him by crying out to him to uphold you. Joshua, when he made a covenant in Shechem, he challenged the people of God in Joshua 24. He said, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in and in Egypt, serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people responded, they would put away these other gods, because they recognized that it was the Lord God who had rescued them out of Egypt and brought them into the promised land. He is the one to fear. And likewise, you are to fear God, recognize that he is the one who rescued you, and to be determined to serve him. So be single-minded in your devotion to God and his word. He is your refuge. So fear him by crying out to him to uphold you. thank you for your word. We confess that we are often double-minded, wanting you, but also wanting this world. Instead, Lord, help us to be single-minded in our devotion to you, for only you are our refuge and our shield. Only you are our hope. Help us not to be distracted by this world. Instead, that we would depend on you, that we would cry out daily for you to uphold us. Help us to see the outcome of this world that is destruction and so that it would have no appeal to us. And instead, Lord, that we would tremble before you and we would fear you. For you are a great God and yet you are our God through Christ. So we love you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's sing this psalm, Psalm 119.0. Let's sing the psalm, Be Single-Minded in Your Devotion to Christ. Let's stand